This is typically a time when students and teachers alike begin to get a little antsy. It's increasingly difficult to keep our attention and particularly now, getting students to continue to be invested is hard. Welcome to Artworks for Teachers. I'm your host, Susan Riley. I'm an educator, entrepreneur, and arts integration evangelist. Each week, we'll explore how teachers can crack the code of creativity and use it as a hidden advantage in and out of the classroom. You'll hear from authors, artists, and educators sharing their stories and their strategies for unlocking the power of curiosity and creativity. Let's get going. Hey there, friend. I hope you're doing well this week. More than that, I hope that your being is refreshed. At the time this episode goes live, we have just finished up Thanksgiving and we're headed into the holiday season. And I know that this can be a time of great joy and great stress. So if you're feeling it, just know that you are not alone. This is typically a time when students and teachers alike begin to get a little antsy. It's increasingly difficult to keep our attention, and particularly now, getting students to continue to be invested is hard. One of the things that has worked for me many times is tapping into the excitement of the season with a tangible project that students can either take home or use in some way that also connects back to my curriculum. Now, many times this involves the design thinking process, but not necessarily in a traditional format. So today I'm going to share with you my top three ways to rethink using design thinking strategies for student engagement. Now, before anything else, we need to practice getting the creative juices flowing because it's a natural part of design thinking, but it's not necessarily natural for ourselves or for our students. Sometimes we can get stuck, right? We're trying to do something creative and it just doesn't seem to be coming out, right? Creative thinking and creative mindsets are two sides of the same coin. Creative thinking encompasses skills and processes that lead students towards a creative mindset. A creative mindset is a practice of leveraging creativity to continually grow and evolve. That's what we're headed for. So think of creative, think of a creative mindset as a muscle, right? And creative thinking as the strategies that are needed to build that creative muscle. Now, there are lots of ways to do this, of course, but for our purposes of getting students into this mindset, I have two strategies that work particularly well and some applications that you might like to try. The first one is called the one by five creative thinking strategy. You can use this strategy in a variety of ways. I have found it to be very effective as a warm-up or as a way to get traditionally quiet students to give them an opportunity to add their thoughts and opinions to a project. I've also found that it's helpful for clarifying and narrowing a big idea into a more refined, cohesive thought. So when you're thinking about design thinking, oftentimes our students think so big or they're thinking in a way that it's hard for them to actually make what they're thinking into a reality. So this strategy will help them to do that. So you can use this strategy for anything from prototyping a design to a how-to for projects, to brainstorming ideas, 
to reworking a piece of writing or even exploring math problem variations, right? There's so many ways that you can use this. So here is how the process works. First step is to select a starting object and grouping. So you're going to place students into groups of five. You can have less than five in a group, but five is really ideal. And you're going to provide students with a starting object. It can be anything, a blank piece of paper, a pan of watercolors, a piece of music, anything that you want. And then you're going to have the students do the next step, which is called just change one. The first student in the group changes one thing about the starting object. So they might change a side of a given shape or fold down one side of the piece of paper. Okay. They just change one item. Then they rotate. That's step three. Rotate to the next person who changes one more thing about the object. And you're going to repeat this step a total of five times or until everybody has a turn. Step four is to then reflect. So explore how the object changed in form, structure, or components from where it started. If you're working with a general idea, like how did the idea change? If you're working with an object, how can the object now be used or not used? That's a great reflection piece. And then step five is to revise and share. So if they're happy with the end result after the original set of changes, share out the new object or idea. And if they're not happy, repeat the process and revise the object or idea and then share it out. So this is kind of like a mini ideation component in in, um, a very structured format. I like this because, again, you can use it as a warm-up. It can take less than five minutes if you want, uh, but it gets those creative juices flowing. It gets students used to the cycle, the process, in a, a mini format. Okay, now you can use this in a lot of different ways. You can connect it with any kind of content area. I like it as a beginning project here, but you could certainly make this into a full lesson yourself if you want it. The next um, kind of strategy that I wanted to share with you is called Spacewalk. Now, this actually comes from a process that astronauts use, right? Because going for a spacewalk, a real spacewalk, can be dangerous, which is why you're supported by a crew inside of the space station or the, the capsule or whatever you're in. This crew then helps you walk through the procedures or settings for the task at hand. So we're going to piggyback off of that with this strategy, because in the spacewalk strategy, students work through a problem or create something together as a team. So this is similar to the one by five strategy in that it's kind of a mini encapsulation of design thinking. It gets them started in that process, but it's a little bit different because it's really focusing on the collaboration aspect. So the first step is to get students into groups of four or five, and each group you're going to name a crew. So it's important in this particular strategy that students feel like they're really into the space component, right? So each group is called a crew. The second step is to provide a specific problem or task to each crew. This is theirs to work on together. So nobody else is going to be provided with the same problem or task as as their group, right? This is their own. Then in the third step, each person in the crew gets to take a spacewalk for one portion of the problem or task. So they have to go out on their own for one portion of solving that problem or working on that task. Step four is that when it's their turn to take a spacewalk, 
each individual works on their portion or task alone. The crew can provide support or they can go find resources that may help the spacewalker to work on their portion. And the spacewalker must finish their portion before the next portion is complete. Once everybody has had a chance to take a spacewalk, the task or problem has been completed or solved. The crew can then reflect on how they could have helped each other better or what they would do different next time. So students can use this for anything, anything that they're working on that is a bigger um, question or problem or something that takes a collaboration to solve, right? Um, And that, again, is working on the design thinking process of working in teams. So this, these think of these as our warmups, right? The one by five strategy, that creative strategy is really meant to help you begin to build those creative thinking muscles. The spacewalk strategy is, is useful to help students understand they can rely on each other, but also have to take responsibility for their particular portion and how to do that from both sides. Because I know for me, it's difficult for me to let go of a project and trust somebody else is going to do the same kind of work that I'm going to do. That is something that we have to teach our students. So the spacewalk strategy helps to do that. Um, I think both of those are really helpful to prepare for the next component. All right. So the next component that I want us to think about are some ideas for building design thinking activities. Now, there's so many different ways you could do this. There are STEAM challenges. There are STEM challenges. You could have um, different Lego building contests. You could have a contest, a task building contest, where you have students go randomly pull different items from their home, so paper bag or crayons or whatever, and then they have to create something with it, right? There's so many ways that you could leverage design thinking. For today, I wanted to give you something that was tangible and that you could put into your classroom in a simple way. And so what I want to share is the you the idea of a game, create your own game process. Once you've gotten students into a creative mindset, it's really time to ramp it up and get them using that real world application. And that's where games come in, right? It's one idea, but I like this idea, particularly now at this time of year, because um, if students are creating their own game, it's great around the holidays because it could be used as a gift. And if it's going to be used as a gift, um, students are more invested in it. If you're, they're not going to use it as a gift, it could be used as a way for students to consider other items that they'd like to create outside of the game. So it could be a practice run to create something of their own, right? So maybe a, a scarf, but looking at how did you build a scarf that's different than something else that's already out there. Um, so lots of different ways that you could use this. Um, but once they have the process down, they can use it for anything. So one of our authors outlines this as a design thinking game challenge, which I think is just great. Looking for a PD experience that's not just another online class or Zoom session? We've got you covered, teacher friend. Our upcoming Winter Fest takes place on February 17th through 19th and is unlike any online PD that you've been a part of. Join us for a weekend of creativity and connections with thousands of other educators like you learning together in a unique online arts festival experience. 
Think of this like a cross between Coachella and a TED conference. It's something you don't want to miss. So to learn more and get registered, head over to artsintegrationconference.com. Now, here's where Rich kind of outlines the design thinking game challenge. Day one uh, is for empathize, right? The goal here is to have your students learn about the groups of people that they will eventually be designing a a design thinking game for, right? So you're going to start by breaking your students into either groups or they can do it individually if they like. I like the idea of collaboration, again, piggybacking off of that spacewalk idea. But if they're designing something as a gift, they're going to want to do it themselves. So you could do this either way. What the first step you want them to do is research a traditional board game like Clue, Monopoly, or Sorry. And then every either either each individual or every group is going to choose a different design thinking game to research. And they're going to proceed to answer a variety of questions like, what's the target audience for the game? How do you play the game? What kind of physical pieces are there? What's the goal? Give your students like 20 to 25 minutes to, to conduct the research that they need to answer the questions. Um, and again, you're going to want to prep them. I would warm them up with a that one by five creative thinking strategy. Get them in that creative mindset right from the get-go. Then day two is to define. So the goal is to have your students understand the basic framework of a game. So what does the user need or know, right? So now that your students are familiar with the games of the past, it's time to bust them out and start playing them. So physical play is a great way for students to do research and also have fun. And this is the definition part of the of the design thinking process. So you could use a variety of games, but things like Clue, Operation, Twister, Jenga, um, Trouble, Dominoes, right? Have students switch to different games every five to seven minutes, no matter if they're finished or not, right? The whole idea here is just to get them to understand understand what the frameworks are for different games so that they could use them themselves if they choose to. Now, if you're doing this virtually, you're going to need a little bit of a different structure. You're going to need to have students um, kind of share what games they have at home and then perhaps work in breakout rooms or even um, individually, but sharing that on your Zoom screen or your Google Meet screen or whatever it is that you have so that everybody knows how to play. Okay. Um, Then once you've got everybody playing those different games, engage your students in a quick round of questions like, what did you like or not like about a certain game? What would you change? How long did it take to complete the game? How did you know how to play the games? Did you have any previous knowledge of the game? So answering those kinds of questions is really helpful for students because, again, it goes to the outline of how they're going to create their own. Day three is ideate. So the goal here is to have your students brainstorm as many ideas as possible for their game challenge. So start pinging ideas either in groups or do a a word splash, anything you can think of. So a quick tip here is to start off with a theme or a particular topic. So before thinking if they're going to use a game board with cards or dice, encourage your students to think about the theme of their game. So have your students reflect on the first day of the challenge and what their experiences were with the games and what um, what they experienced, because it's going to help them form solutions for their own game. Okay, day four is prototype. 
The goal here on day four is to have students create a working representation of one of their game ideas. So once each group or individual has decided on a use for their game, um, they're going to start building the prototype. Now, if you're doing this in groups, have students assign jobs to each group member. Um, There's so much to get done in a fairly short period of time, so you're going to need to encourage your students to work on different parts of the design thinking game. That's where the spacewalk strategy that I shared really helps because they're used to that, right? They're used to every person on the crew has a specific job, all right? So make sure that that everybody knows that. Also, think about all the things that are needed to be created in order to complete their game prototypes because all games have a name and so and most games have a logo and whatever they have also has material like playing cards or dice and a game box. So they're going to need to think about how am I going to store the game? How, how am I going to promo the game? All of that kind of stuff, right? And rules or instructions on how to play the game also need to be created. So um, as you're thinking about this, definitely start with basic low-cost materials, right? Cardboard's great for a number of game pieces. You could ask your local grocery store for extra cardboard boxes. It's something that most kids have around the house if they're working from home. Um, Other low-cost materials are things like modeling clay or cardstock or paint, construction paper, and tape. So um, obviously, if you have a 3D printer and you're lucky enough to be able to use it right now, that's great. But if you can't, Uh, make sure that you're starting with those low-cost materials. And then day five is the test. It's the challenge conclusion. So the goal here is to have students test out the games and provide feedback to the creators. So it's kind of still a work in process. The whole goal here is to be able to see, does your game work? So you're going to give your game to another person and have them play it and see if it makes sense to them. And then you're going to have a discussion, right? Like what worked well in the game? What didn't work well? Were there instructions of how to to play the game? Were, Were they clear? Did you have fun playing the game, right? So those are all the ways that you can think about working through game development. So I just outlined a five-day process in order to do this. Um, And again, if it's the idea here is what's your intention? Is this to be used as a gift? Because if it is, you're going to need to take another set of days once they've tested everything and they've gotten feedback to refine that and to make it into something that they would like to actually give or to use the process that they just went through of empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test to create a gift for someone that they want to give. Okay. So again, lots of different ways you could go with that. But I think the whole idea of design thinking embedded with a real world application is something that students love to do. And it's something that lights up their creative thinking and also all of the things that you've been teaching them so far this year. Now, finally, design thinking strategies aren't limited to science, tech, engineering, or math content areas. You can use this same thinking muscle for the humanities. And one example of that is with the structure your story strategy. Now, according to Shonda Rhimes, you know, the very famous um, uh, author who, you know, kind of created the series Grey's Anatomy and a ton of other spinoffs, um, sh- most stories fall within a specific structure right? You can use this framework to develop narrative and informational writing, as well as work through ideas, presentations, and anything you can think of, right? Um, 
And so here's how it works. There's five steps to this. The first step, we're going to call them acts. So act one is to introduce your characters and present the problem. Who are your main and supporting characters and what's the major issue going on, right? Act two is to escalate the problem. So take the original problem and turn it into something that makes life super challenging for the characters. Act three is that the worst case scenario happens. So then think about all of the possible ways this problem could go from bad to worse and insert that into um, one of the most exciting parts into your story, right? So this becomes the thing that really grips the audience. Act four is the be- to begin the ticking clock. So give the problem a timeline to get resolved. And then act five is that characters reach their moment of victory. Provide a way that the characters can reach their own personal victory with the problem. Some may become the hero and others may become the guide that leads the hero to victory. Each character, though, has a resolution. So if you think about this, this really overlays beautifully with the design thinking process that we just talked about in creating games. It's just a different way to look at it. And you could use this with creating a piece of artwork, a musical composition, a piece of choreography, any kind of writing, which we know students sometimes struggle with. But again, think of this in terms of the time of year that we're at, right? It becomes something that's exciting for students that they could use a variety of different prompts for um, to build that tension and also provide that release. It is, this is used by scriptwriters and playwrights to keep audiences engaged, and it's definitely something that students can replicate in their own writing. I'd also challenge you as an educator who's trying to keep students engaged, think about how you can design a project or an idea to use with your students, some kind of bigger project, try to use that story framework to build your project, right? That changes how we look at it, right? So we're going to introduce the the problem, right? And then we're going to escalate that for our students. So maybe they're working on the problem and then suddenly we say, oh, but now this has happened and they have to shift gears. And then we tell them, oh man, now everything has collapsed and you're going to have to um, think about how you're going to get out of this mess now. And then you're going to have to set a clock like, well, you got to figure this out by the end of class today. And then Uh, we talk about how did we meet that goal, right? So it could be even more existential than just a physical writing piece. You could embed this into any project that you're using. So hopefully the ideas around design thinking shared in this episode give you a jumping off point for your own hands-on project. I know it's hard to feel like you have time for this kind of thing, but I promise you, your students will get excited and you can hit your curricular milestones at the same time. You can weave them right into the design project so students are learning, creating, experimenting, and connecting all at the same time. I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions about this topic. Just head over to artsintegration.com and you'll find today's show notes, contact area, and links for more resources. And if you're enjoying the show and know somebody who could benefit from our discussions, please share the the podcast with them because together we can chase the spark of our ideas and make a brighter future for everyone. Thanks for listening to the Artworks for Teachers podcast. This has been a production from the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. Be sure to tune in each Thursday for new episodes and head over to artsintegration.com forward slash artworks to download the accompanying resources. And if you know another educator who could use creative inspiration, please share this with them. 
Together, we can make a difference in education today.